This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another episode of the Voice of the Land podcast. Long time no talk, everybody. To all of our VTL fans and listeners out there, I am one of your hosts, Kevin Arnold, and alongside me, as always, Nick Paulus. This is Season 3, Episode 1. Yes, you heard that right. We're jumping right into Season 3. I know we didn't get all the way through Season 2, but it's a new decade, new year, and it's a new time for the Voice of Land podcast. So it is Season 3, Episode 1. And of course, typically we open shows with athletes that may match up with the number or whatever. We're trying to come up with a unique way to open these shows, but we haven't talked in three weeks. So the only way to really start this podcast is, Paulus, let the people know what's been going on. A lot of, just a lot of sickness (laughs) that has been, that has been going through. You got that right. Really all over Cleveland. It has to be because of the weather. I mean, it's hot one day, it's cold another. Uh, We're doing this show on Saturday. What is today? The uh, 11th. uh, 11 days into the new decade already, man. Right. Absolutely. And it is going to be touching near 70 today. And then tomorrow it's supposed to be down to 40 again. So Mm -hmm. a lot of sickness is going to be going on. On. Uh, my Christmas was great. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen each other for Christmas, New Year's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to start off here. But uh, Christmas was great. Uh, it, it was really the next couple of days after that is whenever sickness really hit me. I uh, got to uh, produce RBS a couple of times for uh, ESPN 850. So, I mean, that's been such a thrill to do. Uh, but other than that, just, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of family time, which is, which is a, very nice to do, uh, you know, this time of year obviously but it is uh it's one of those things where i'm definitely happy to be back in the studio with you and you know get this thing rolling because we got a ton to talk about today but uh how was uh how was your uh, little mini vacation that you had i don't know if i can call it a vacation you know you i started a new job and you know it's a it's a job that could have pathways for me to get into things i'm trying to get into or it's just it's a nice way to kind of keep myself going until you and I both can turn this into what we are trying to turn it into, which is an actual career. But so you get a, I got a couple days off for each holiday and you know, you got sick a couple days after Christmas. I got hit by it hard on New Year's Day, well, New Year's night, I guess, and into the next few days. I was out for like a whole weekend, basically four or five days. I was laid up in bed, just (laughs) not able to do anything, and then back into the full swing of things. It's nice to be back into the full swing of life. But it's tough when you have to when you start going five full days. And oh yeah, trying to get into it. This is this is light work though. This is this is easy to get back into. It's like riding a bike when you get in front of a microphone. You talk, <laughs> start talking sports. But you know it's it's been nice. You know just like you said, family time, girlfriend boyfriend time. You know just kind of getting into those kind of moments, enjoying it with people you care about. That's what the end of the year is always about. And the holiday times are always about, and it's always nice to get those moments as fleeting as they may be. Sometimes 
it is nice to have those moments. And, you know, we've we've missed a lot and we're going to get into we're going to kind of go over a brief recap of things we missed before the big topic, the main topic that's dominating Cleveland sports talk as we go. And we have a lot to say on that. We've been voicing our opinions. If people follow us on Twitter at CLE underscore Paulus at Kevin and seven. And of course, our show Twitter at VTL underscore POD. That is at VTL underscore pod. You get all the latest, all the polls. Got a few few polls posted right now. We'll go through those results on this podcast as well. And, of course, find us all the time on Google, Spotify, Apple, all the major podcast platforms. One thing I do want to mention before we get into sports topics we missed, just briefly, I want to send my condolences to family, friends, and fans of the late, great Neil Peart, my all-time favorite drummer as a drummer myself, an idol of mine growing up, being a drummer, loved the band Rush. Rush, of course, got their start, got kick-started with their career here in Cleveland with uh, WMMS, what is now WMMS, and... You know, to see that he had passed away yesterday was was heartbreaking. Um, but he is a true legend, and his legacy and the Rush legacy will live on forever. For anybody that has taken on the classic rock fandom, Rush is one of those bands that you really take on. So I wanted to send my condolences from us here at VTL out to all the family, friends, and fans of Neil Port, Neil Pert, and the band Rush. So, with that being said, other things that we've missed. Brown season ended, Freddie Kitchens gets fired, Ohio State. It's a lot. There, there's Indian, a lot of things. The Indians talk, you know, not really dominating. Corey but Kluber gone. Corey Kluber's gone. Francisco Lindor, talk of being, him being traded, and now he's going to be at FanFest, which means, and Chris Antonetti has said he expects him to be starting shortstop for the Cleveland Indians, and he signed, he's he, Got the arbitration deal, seventeen and a half million for this season. Second highest ever for a uh, player going into its second year of arbitration. Yeah, so you, you know, I know the record for arbitration money just got set yesterday, um, and is that twenty-seven million? I forget who got that deal, but um, a lot of things we missed. Paulus, where do you want to start? How do you want to briefly recap all this stuff we've missed? Well, we're going to be going into a lot of Browns talk. Yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be a very Brown-centric talk uh, here for us today. Uh, I, I want to, you know, kind of go over uh, what was going on with Ohio State. Um, it was a heartbreaking defeat, you know, to Clemson, who seem. I mean, they just have our names. You know, they, you know, they they just got us. Um, it's uh, it's unfortunate, you know, to lose yet again to Dabo Sweeney. Uh, however, I, it was a very exciting game. It was back and forth, uh, you know, for a good portion of that second half. Um, it's just unfortunate that they couldn't close it out. They had a 16-point lead, and they let it, you know, get squandered away. And it was um, a little disheartening to see, you know, not a whole lot of fight coming from uh, the defensive portion, you know, towards the end of the game. Uh, um, so that that sort of sucked, and you know, obviously the one thing that is burned into my mind 
uh, Chris Olave breaking off the route uh, that was set up. Apparently, it was set up perfectly, and he just thought that him and Fields were uh, they were vibing on the same uh, misconnection route that that you know Olave wanted to run, and Fields thought it was still going to be the same play. It's unfortunate that it ends on an interception like that, but that's how you know some of these games go. You know, you're not going to win them all. You know, all the time. Uh, Ryan Day was due to lose a game, you know, so it's it's unfortunate, but I am very much looking forward to seeing what Justin Fields and Ryan Day, Master Teague, and you know, I mean, just the recruiting class that the uh, that the Ohio State Buckeyes are getting coming in is fantastic. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do next year. Uh, Chase Young is now on his way uh, to the draft. J.K. Dobbins is Kuda. I mean, the, they're going to be missing a lot of people next year. But when you're a top program in college football and in the country, whether it's college football, basketball, whatever sport it is, even the less publicized type sports, whether it's swimming, soccer, if you are a prolific school in those sports, when you lose guys or girls, you can get recruits in to replace them. Yes, it may take some of them a little bit longer to get adjusted, but for the most part, you're going to stay near the top. If it's not the very next year, it's within the next couple of years as that next recruiting class and big recruiting class for you gets acclimated and kind of leaves their stamp on what type of talent is coming together and how they work well together. That game hurt my heart. And you know that I, I bleed every single color that comes out of sports in Cleveland and sports in Ohio, if it's Ohio State, with scarlet and gray. And I had to go take a walk around the block, around my city, after after that game ended. And yes, the Buckeyes had their issues, and they need to take a lot of blame for squandering a 16-point lead. I wouldn't put too much blame on Justin Fields, even though he had two interceptions. That last one, of course the miscommunication and those that know me know that coach Kevin is big against referees when I'm watching games as a fan I try not to let that be a major factor because most often if there's a bad call it doesn't always it's not always going to impact the actual result the team is going to have other chances to overcome an issue like that but The referees in that game and in football in general have made football one of the most difficult things to watch this season in how they in college football, how they how they call targeting or pass interference across both realms. It's so there's too much gray area with all of the rules, too much left up for interpretation of rules rather than being clear cut. And I know it's not easy to make rules in a sport and a physical context sport like football to take away too much gray area. But I think that there is an overabundance of gray area and too much left up for interpretation right now. And it's impacting. It is having an impact on games now. The targeting call, of course, there is helmet-to-helmet contact in that regard. But a 6'4", 6'5", quarterback ducking down because he's scared of a at least at most 6'0", guy, if not 5'10", 5'11", guy coming at him full steam, about to tackle him with a form tackle, sack him in the backfield. It's a great tackle. Great tackle. And he gets scared and he cowers down to his level. 
okay, if it's targeting, it's... it's. I don't it, think he got scared. I, I think it's just natural instinct. Right, but he got scared. Coward didn't, you know, he's trying to lessen the blow against him because he knows if he stands in that pocket and takes that blow, just stand there with the football, you know, it's probably going to feel that shot in the ribs or whatever. So he's trying to, you know, find ways to get the fleshy sure, parts yeah, of the... Sure, of course, yeah. ...to take the, take the shot. But that started the momentum for Clemson in that regard because they didn't even call targeting on that play. They went back after a long delay of people arguing and things like that. Then they go back and they take a guy out of the game for trying to make a form tackle and the unfortunate collision. Push that one aside, how that play was not a fumble, I will still never know. And you can say that, well, he didn't make a football move because he didn't go upfield. I'm sorry, Jeff Okuda is one of, if not the best cornerback in all the league. He's a top and, five pick. And he's not he's he's doing his job by not allowing the wide receiver to turn up field, but he's still taking at least three steps, if not four. It was four. And stripping the ball out. If you see catches on the sideline when guys have control in their hands and it's a hands catch, not bring it all the way to their body, but if it's control between their hands, that wide receiver makes a hands catch. And I'm not going to dwell on it because it's over. Ohio State had their chances to still come back in that game, and they didn't, and that's on them. But those kind of instances in general are becoming too frequent and are impacting not just teams that we root for, but teams other people root for, and there's too much of that and not clarifying. We still can't even clarify in any football level what is a catch. Well, I think the reason why a lot of people were arguing, and I do think that it was a fumble and it was a missed call, and you know, it had that, you know, had they got that, you know, momentum definitely would have swung towards the Buckeyes. Game probably would have been over. Buckeyes win, you know, get the monkey off their back, you know, Clemson monkey, you know, off their mm-hmm. back. Uh, and then they're playing LSU in the finals, uh, you know, this coming up Monday. Uh, it is unfortunate, but I think that this is what we kind of have to deal with nowadays because w- there are more cameras now watching the game than ever before. I mean, we have cameras, at, you know, at all different angles. We got sky camera, you know, we, we got goal line pylon cameras. I mean, we got cameras everywhere, which is a good thing. But all of this stuff has happened before. It just was never caught on tape like it is now. So all of these missed calls and everything like that, they've happened before. It's just now that we're seeing them and they should be fixed. I, I'm not saying like, oh, well, you know, they weren't fixed 40 years ago. They shouldn't, you know, it doesn't matter now. No, it does matter. I'm, I'm just saying we're now starting to see it more because there's cameras everywhere. Everyone has a camera. I, I'm holding up my phone right now, which has, you know, multiple cameras you know, <laughs> on it. Um, I just think that it's one of those things like it, it's much more noticeable now, just in the day and time that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, does it make it unfortunate if you're an Ohio State fan? Absolutely. But it, whenever it comes to the fumble, and, and we'll wrap this up here uh, right, uh, you know, uh, very soon, but the fumble had, and I'm not comparing that wide receiver to like Randy Moss or mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson, but if Randy Moss caught a one-handed pass and made four steps and fumbled it, just because it's Randy Moss, like people would say like, oh, that's a football move. And Randy Moss catches it one-handed. Right. You know, that's a football move. Just because the kid's not Randy Moss doesn't mean that, oh, 
he, he can't make a Randy Moss like move. It, it, it happens, and it should have been a fumble. I'm I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you that it should have been a fumble, but you know, unfortunately, he got missed, and hopefully, it it gets better, you know, down the road for us. You know, we we kind of feel like Saints fans right now. You know that we got screwed out of this call and mm-hmm. screwed out of that call. Well, unfortunately, you're gonna have to live with it. You know, for, yeah, for I mean, right now, and hopefully, to... hopefully, it never happens again to anybody else, especially us. But it's it's just an unfortunate situation right now. Right, reality says it's it is what it is. There's no going. You can't go back and change it. We don't have. Right. We haven't gotten anywhere close to technology of time machines. Or you go back, <laughs> not, go yet. Back, not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But you know, technology is always fastly improving. So you never know what's what's going to happen in the future. We're in now the 2020s and whole new decade. So who knows what kind of technology advancements we're going to see in the next 10 years? But just overall, watching games and when replay is now a factor, whether it's football, basketball, wherever replay is being used, and there are so many cameras and so many voices you're taking it back to Secaucus New York or New Jersey whatever wherever right you know you're sending it to all these different people and now and then people on the sidelines because you got those tablets there's so many voices and coaches yelling whether it's the head coach assistant coaches there's a problem when there's too much going on and it's not simplified it's not an easy fix by any means and trying to clarify rules simplify rules but it need, it's definitely something that both the NCAA, which we already know, we're, that we could go into a whole show on issues with the NCAA. Of course. Oh, yeah. But if you're just looking at across the board, NCAA, professional sports, every single league needs to look at simplifying. If you're going to implement replay, how are you going to do it and who is in charge of that? Because it just, it, human mistakes happen. Technology is supposed to be helping you fix it. And when there's too much of both, issues become more widely spread rather than narrowed down and fixed. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're 100% right. Hopefully, you know, once again, I'm hoping that this never happens to anyone ever right. else again. Uh, once again, it is unfortunate that it happened to us as Buckeye fans and, you know, the Buckeye players, especially the seniors that were hoping to go out with, an, uh, with a national championship win. Uh, but, you know, it just wasn't in the cards for them this, you know, this year. Hopefully this coming up year, Justin Fields, Master Teague, you know, everyone on the defense, you know, really steps it up. And, you know, hopefully we have a great season again make the playoffs and who knows maybe we'll win it all next year uh but that being said let's transition into what everyone is talking about here in cleveland the wrap-up of the brown season the firing of freddie kitchens the firing of john dorsey not so much firing but letting go of john dorsey Mm -hmm. and then this coaching search which has been going on for about two weeks now um let's start off wrap up the end of the year browns end up losing uh to the Cincinnati Bengals, one of their two losses on the year. Pitiful performance all the way through. You know, obviously the offense drives right down the field, scores. It's what they've been doing all year. Now we are hearing leaks, and obviously now at the end of the year, that Freddie Kitchens was very adamant about getting the game plan set up, and then he would just go away from it. Like, like they had certain plays to start off the game, and, and, and we saw this. I mean, they had like seven opening drive touchdowns, which is fantastic. That's exactly how you want to start off the game. But then Freddie would just midstream, just in the middle of a game, just 
let's do something different than what we've been practicing all week. A lot of word has been coming out from like Todd Bunkin, you know, our offensive coordinator, who's probably going to be our former offensive coordinator uh, whenever it comes down to it. But a lot of things were coming out that Freddie was just a sloppy head coach, you know, was never really prepared for, you know, for the games. And like I said, thank God Freddie Kitchens is gone. He wasn't the right one uh, for us. That, that was going to lead us to the promised lands, really. The issue is, yeah, he wasn't the right one. And you can complain about Browns firing another guy after one year. That comes back to evaluation in the process of hiring. And it's something we're going to get into as we're looking at this coaching search and the idiocracy that is going on right now and where it could be leading and the whole tone of this coaching search. But you just look at the guy on the sideline. You look at the guy in his eyes. And I always try to take a coaching approach to some of the conversations that we have, not because I think that my coaching experience allows me to do so, but you kind of understand as a coach, you understand what you, what you need to do, what your role is. And it no, doesn't matter what level you're at. It just depends on the level that you're at just interprets or dictates how much leadership you need. And you need, whether it's at the amateur, high school, college, or professional level, you need to be a leader of people as the coach. And you need to put your players in the best position possible to succeed. And Freddie didn't do that. He didn't learn how to do that. You never saw progression on how to do that. You saw regression because of the season went on and the team started to see where this season was going and how much they'd have to fight if they even had a chance at the playoffs. They gave up. And I'm not fully claiming that they quit, but there wasn't there wasn't the same kind of fight because they saw how games were going. They weren't being put in position that they felt that they could be successful. And once again, you see that, you know, whenever you start up the game, you go right down the field, you score points, and then you feel really good about yourself. But then out of nowhere, once again, Freddie Kitchens just starts running plays off the top of his uh running plays off the top of his head. He he was no longer the coach that went up to his players and said, You tell me your five favorite plays, and then we'll we'll run with that like he did the previous year. Mm-hmm. Now I think there's a lot to do with that because he, because he was the offensive coordinator at that point in time. Like he was able to dedicate a hundred percent of his time to just the offense, which I think, and there's talks of him going to uh, New York to be the one, like an offensive assistant uh, to the uh, new head coach there, Joe judge, which it didn't see that one coming. I'm not no. going to lie to you. No. Like it, it's clear that the giants had no plans uh, uh, after Matt rule got picked up by Carolina. It, it literally, them just going, hey, who knows? Maybe Joe Judge is going to is going to be a very good coach, but nobody saw that coming. Um, I, I honestly thought the minute that uh, you know uh, Matt Rule got you know uh, taken in Carolina for I believe it was six years, seventy million dollars, seven seven years, what was 70, it, seven? I think it was okay. seven years. Yep, a ridiculous amount of money. But hey, if you nail the coach, you know you're you're going to do just fine. And they have an owner that's going to pay out. Uh, of of course, overpay. Yeah. And that's hey, we love owners that overpay right. here in Cleveland. Thank you, Dan Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, I, the Giants clearly had you know no idea what they no. were going to do afterwards. But I think that it is a good good sign that Freddie is going to get that offensive uh, you know assistant gig, which is exactly what he should be doing right.
right now in in his life. Maybe 10 years from now, whenever he's 50-ish, you know, maybe he'll have a little bit better of command of a team, an offense, and then he'll be able to be his own guy. He'll be able to be a head coach again. Uh, but right now, obviously, it just wasn't in the cards for him. That all being said, that leads us to uh, this coaching search, really, which I thought John Dorsey was going to have a part of. And then come to find out, a lot of people don't like John Dorsey. A lot of people will go out of their way to say they want to play with their own GM. They want to they want to coach their own GM. They they feel comfortable with certain people. Uh, Jimmy Haslam apparently wanted John Dorsey to sign a not sign but take a lesser role. No longer be the GM, but be like the head scout. Which honestly. That suits John Dorsey very well. He knows how to scout players amazingly. Now, whenever it comes to choosing the coaches, which is a GM's job, didn't really quite work out. I thought he should have got a second you know, opportunity at it, but that's just me. Um, what, what do you think about John Dorsey you know, getting uh, let go? It's just another sign that Jimmy Haslam has no idea what he's doing. That's fair. Now, I will criticize fans that never thought you couldn't criticize John Dorsey because John Dorsey had a hand in hiring Freddie Kitchens and he saw something there. It was his choice. It was his choice. He saw something in those interviews that did not translate to the field. He did not evaluate coaching capabilities like he can player capabilities. And that is a problem. That is a mistake. That is an issue. But Dorsey had done so much to revamp this roster in just two years and add talented players, not just through free agency or trades, but in the draft, young guys that you could still build on even if one of your free agent or trades didn't work out. You still had a strong base of players to go off of. You just didn't have the right leader in charge of them. And again, he needed to be criticized for that. So anybody that said, oh, you can't criticize John Dorsey at all. If you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. If you're not seeing orange and brown and how good Dorsey is, you don't matter. No, we all know that that was just BS in a press conference oh, and yeah. a phrase that people took on that doesn't matter anymore because, hell. Yep. because that guy is gone. Yeah. But the fact that Jimmy Haslam let a talent evaluator like that go from his organization and wanted to take a lesser role, it's just the compounding the ownership problem that this town has. This team, I'm just going to get this out there now, and I know we're still trying to get into this coaching search. I'm telling you right now, the Browns organization will go nowhere with the Haslams as the owners. The only problem is you can't fire the owners. They have to sell. They have to be willing to let go of it. How somebody that learned from the Roonies, as much as we hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, and hard to say respect, but what that organization has done and able to do every single year, competing for the playoffs, winning all those Super Bowls, being in contention every single year, you were learning from the Roonies. Maybe the first couple of years, you being the full-time owner, may, you know you have your growing pains and figure things out, but you should have had a good, strong basis of what kind of football people to put around you to set up an actual football organization. And still to this day, the Haslams are running this team into the ground. And with this coaching search and having a guy like McDaniels, and I'll explain in a little bit why I'm not a fan of any of the candidates, but 
I can say for a fact that McDaniels is the best of the candidates, and you bring this guy in for seven hours, and there's so much information coming out, you let that guy leave your building, and you go think about it. Anybody else... Any other organization that would do that, you would trust that they would be actually taking their time, following the process they had set, the goals they had set for the entire process of hiring a coach. You would expect and at least have more faith that they would make a quality decision. When Jimmy Haslam goes to take his time to think about things, he allows a baseball guy to get in his ear, put too much on the number's sake, too much of the analytics in his ear, make the wrong decision, and set this team back more and more. This team is too talented to not compete next year, and you are going to get this wrong right away. Let me step in here for you. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot did tweet this out about an hour ago here for us. The Browns intend on remaining mum on their head coaching decision through at least the NFL divisional games, which are today and tomorrow, out of respect for all. Uh, but the uh, but we all know that it's uh, often impossible. The three candidates that they are looking at that are playing this weekend, Stefanski, uh, Salah, Roman, uh, as well as uh, uh Enemy. She she didn't have him on there, but uh, enemy uh, uh, is apparently one of uh, Peter King's top three candidates uh, that he was thinking that the Browns were going to be taking. That was McDaniel's, enemy and Salah. A lot has been said, uh, you know, over the last 24, uh, 48 hours. Uh, they've interviewed eight different candidates, one of which being like Brian Dayball, which we've seen his you know, likes before here, you know, 10 years ago, whenever he, you know, had like, I think the 29th ranked offense. Yeah, he'd be a great guy to bring back. Um, also, yeah, and he somehow made uh, an average quarterback at best look so good this season. Really? Because they all had worse offensive ranks than the Browns did this year. Yeah, somehow Josh Allen just, it, people just think is so great. Yeah, He's on he, fire. He can run the football and running the football from a quarterback position or even which rushing. Is, which is exactly what we have at quarterback. We got a guy that can run. Oh, no, we have Baker Mayfield. Is no relation, Josh Allen. And sorry, I'm not going retread of having Brian Dayball come back into this organization. Not only is he a retread, he's an awful offensive coordinator. I don't know why we're even talking. How he got an interview for a one of 32 positions in the world blows my mind. I... I I can't even fathom. If he becomes the head coach of the Browns, just stop. Just just burn down the franchise, burn down the stadium, move the stadium, do something. Because I can guarantee you this Browns franchise will go nowhere with Brian Dable as the head coach. There are two of the storylines in the NFL that were so fascinating and intriguing this year. One that I get and one I still can't understand or like at all. One, Lamar Jackson, going to be the MVP. He is. You understand that. What he's been able to do... If NFL defenses figure that out, it's not going to last long, but he is talented. As of right now, yeah, he, right. he's the MVP, he's, though. He's talented and athletic enough to have it continue on, and it's going to be a problem for the Browns and all the AFC North opponents moving forward. The other side, the flip side of the coin, is why everybody was so high on the, on the Bills. The Bills were a weak-ass version of the 2000 Ravens, where they had a strong defense. That Ravens defense from 2000 is something you're not going to see very often or at all in the 
this day and age in the NFL until things really change back to the defensive side of the ball. And then they had a Trent Dilfer who just did enough not to make mistakes. Guess what? Josh Allen has too much Brandon Whedon in him because you saw him get sacked and try to fumble, try to lateral that ball. That was hilarious. That was awesome. And make those decisions. And yet I'm seeing Snapchats of my friends that all throughout the season, they're wearing Browns gear, they're all about it. They have bought Bills jerseys and they're wearing Bills gear and somehow the Bills were the team that everybody in Cleveland wanted to see win. What are you doing? I get that you... You're upset with the team. We're both upset with the team, and we're close to just being done. And if you, and if you're older than us, and you feel like you need to move on right now, and that's where your mind is at, totally understand, totally respect it. But if you are, especially those that are younger than us, and you're just flipping sides back and forth, and oh, but then the Browns are good, and now they've made the playoffs. Oh, I'm I get to be at this game. You don't get to do those kinds of things. And why is it of all the teams that you're deciding to flip to? I get if you flip to another team, why is it the Bills? It, it, I mean, because the Bills are just East Cleveland. If I mean, Brian Dable, it's, it's what if it is. If Brian Dable ends up here, and a lot of these guys, if they end up here, I'm going to – my mind is going to explode. I – I'm I, going to be ticked. Off. I, I agree with you. My mind would, my mind would literally just pop. I mean, there would be brain spatter everywhere. Um, that all being said, I don't think Brian Dable is a serious candidate. Like he better it, not be. It, like I don't see it happening. So this is all you know, all for naught. However, uh, there was uh, you know some talk. You know, once again, Peter King, you know, uh, wrote saying that the three candidates that he thinks, and Peter King's pretty spot on whenever it comes to a lot of Browns talk. Uh, you know, it was between uh, McDaniels, uh, Biennemi, and Salah. There's still a lot of talk with Stefanski out there. Uh, we actually posted on our weekly poll here, uh, who do you think the Browns will hire as their head coach? Now, I did this poll at 9.37 in the morning yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it was a- as soon as the plane landed for Josh McDaniels. This is before the seven-plus-hour interview. Mm-hmm. 84%. Want Josh McDaniels, 4% for Salah, Biennemi is 9%, 3% for Kevin Stefanski. And then he had the seven-hour interview. And, and I tried to tell this to my one buddy, Brett. It's not so much like if he had a three-hour interview and he was in and out like all the other interviews were, I wouldn't feel as strongly as I do today that you have to sign him. You can't let him out of the building because, A, I do think that he is the best coach for the job. I think that he can. He he is the best pedigree of out of everyone. He has six Super Bowl rings, for Christ's sake. He, he knows. A, Tom Brady loves him as a coach, not as a friend, but as a coach, and I think think that's what Baker Mayfield needs right now. Someone that Baker can respect and just play for and not play with, which is kind of how it felt whenever he was playing with Freddie. He needs to be able to respect somebody, and then the offensive players need to respect somebody too. Odell Beckham Jr. showed up yesterday at the Browns facility to meet with Josh McDaniels, and then you let Josh McDaniels go? 
like seven plus hours, you let him walk out the door and he's back in Boston and with no job offer. Apparently, you know, once again, from Mary Kay Cabot, they are willing to let this go through the weekend and beyond. Now, the only reason why they're doing that is because they are literally the last job available. So I understand Jimmy's mindset like, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to sign somewhere else? They might not sign somewhere else as a head coach, but you are wasting time. We're already two weeks back from the Steelers. Like the Steelers are two weeks ahead of you right now. Okay. The other teams, the, the best teams are playing the playoffs right now. They're trying to, you know, go for that Super Bowl because they've been practicing all this freaking time. You are two weeks behind everybody right now and you don't have anyone lined up. You're literally waiting to see if Steven, if Kevin Stefanski, uh, Robert uh, Salah, Eric Bieniemy, uh, any of these coaches outperform what you think that they are going to do. So you're telling me Kevin Stefanski puts up 30 points tonight against the Vikings, or I'm sorry, against the uh, 49ers and lose. He still is, he, he has a possibility of being the coach just because he put 30 points up in a playoff game. That doesn't make any sense. Look at the pedigree. Look at the people around this. Hey, yeah. Josh McDaniels lost this past week. Big freaking whoop. They had zero offensive weapons there in New England. Tom Brady is 90 years old. He can't throw the ball like he used to, and he doesn't have the playmakers around him like he used to, like a Gronk or a Randy Moss or a younger Julian Edelman. He doesn't have those people. You know who does have those type of people? We do. We have Odell. We have Jarvis. We have Nick Chubb. We have uh, Najoku. Hopefully he stays. Possibly Richard Higgins. You, you might be able to convince him to stay. You got Kareem Hunt. You have all of these people around, and then you have the quarterback that they coveted. They, the Patriots wanted Baker Mayfield. They were willing to trade up to like the number two or three slot from 31 up to there. You're basically giving away two drafts in order to get Baker Mayfield, which is what they initially wanted to do. That was their backup plan was to have Baker Mayfield behind Tom Brady, which is a smart plan. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It's a smart plan. But now, like, you're, you're, you're just throwing that all aside. And you're saying, well, we might get Kevin Stefanski because he might be the next up-and-comer. No. Just stop. I'm done with Kevin Stefanski. I'm done with uh, uh, Salah. I'm done with the enemy. Get me Josh McDaniels. Who is the guy that is going to be the face and the leader of the team from the sideline? You think you have the guy, your on-field leader. There's question marks about him, though, too, that he's going to have to answer. He's going to need to work out this offseason because I don't think he did much of that last offseason. I don't think he came in with the right mindset into his second year because he had a friend on the sideline. We don't need friends. We don't need guys trying to figure it out. Guess what? I'm not down or at least not very high on McDaniels. It's not because of what happened in Denver. Sure, okay. It's the question mark of, has he learned enough? And I'm a little scarred from, well, we were so excited about Freddie Kitchens at this time last year, whenever they hired him. At that point, we were starting to get really excited. 
but we knew in the back of our mind the question mark was, does he have it in him as a first-year head coach to take on and quell so many big personalities and lead them to where they're supposed to go put them together, lead them where they're supposed to go? And the answer was no. So I'm a little scarred. So that's what is not taking me to being as high on McDaniels as others, but he is the most qualified. He is the best candidate. And guess what? You allowed him to leave your building yesterday. Which is a big no-no. You don't do that. You don't do that because now Deep Podesta is going to get his way with all of his numbers. Guess what? Analytics, yeah, they have a place in sports, but he's from baseball. Baseball, where numbers have play much a bigger role. You are in a contact sport, a physical contact sport, where guys are going to war week in, week out, laying their bodies on the line. There are things that numbers cannot control in those cases. You need to be a leader. You need to be willing to sacrifice for your team even more. Managers in baseball that have to try to think about all these numbers and be very chess strategical during baseball games throughout a 162 game season is a lot different than a football coach that has to manage the numbers but also manage personalities play calling physical contact sport throughout 16 games and throughout a whole offseason that now you are two weeks behind on with a senior ball coming up you have a you have the 10th pick as a team that already has a lot of talent you can add a very talented player at the top of the first round and you are not anywhere close to starting your evaluations of players because you can't figure out your coaching staff and you allow one guy to leave and now you're going to overthink it think you're smarter than everybody else like they've done every single year and screw this thing up like they've done every single year. Jimmy, if you can't get it together and you can't lead a business, you can't lead a professional sports organization, sell and leave our city alone. For me personally, like I'm done whenever it comes to Jimmy Haslam and everything that he, he the guy knows truck stops. Good for you. Like you That's not football. You, you don't know football. You need people in there that are that live and breathe football. And that's something that we don't have. It, you you bring it up with uh, De Podesta. He's a baseball guy. Yeah, I mean, that's just what he is. He's an analytical baseball guy that Jonah Hill plays. Is never here. And, and he is never here. He's always in La Jolla, which is beautiful, mind you. I've been there. It's lovely. It's great. great. Stay but, there and leave me alone. He is not Northeast Ohio. Let, let's get let's get back into this. Now you were saying that you don't like really any of the coaching options out there. Unfortunately, we need a coach. Right. We, this isn't the Oscars. We can't go on without a host. Right. So who do you want? Uh, you you did say McDaniel's is the most qualified, correct? McDaniel's. If I'm going to pick one, give me your top three. I don't have a top three. Can, can, I got one. I, uh, okay. Josh McDaniels is the only one. The only one. Okay. And I'm not going. It's not like I'm going to feel like liberated by right. You know him getting hired. There's still going to be question marks, and I'm not going to get all excited like I did last time because I've learned my lesson. I think that is what I wanted to explain when I posted that tweet yesterday. Right. I know our friend of show, Mac Robinson. You know, posted the the comment or basically the gif of what like. Right. Come on, dude. You, you're in the business. You know what a tease is. I can't sure. give it all away on, on Twitter course, in course. 280 characters, let alone, you know, just before. I got to promote a podcast somehow, dude. Come That's on. True. But I'm not a fan of any of them. 
But if I were to vote in that poll, it's going to be Josh McDaniels because sure. he is most qualified. And I, it's not like I would be upset if he gets hired. Yeah. The other six or whatever, seven, seven I don't even know right. yeah. how many there are. I'd probably be upset. I've heard some good things about Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. So he might be, a, if I'm going to put other guys in there, yeah. probably a second place kind of guy. It's not about what these guys do in these games. Either, I know. I know. Because they're in their coordinator position. Guess what? Throughout the week, they're focusing on just that side of the ball. Yeah. Who is the guy that can transition from one side of the ball to leading all three phases of the game? Just because you put good people around you to lead those individual elements, you need to be the face and the guy that connects with all three phases and allow the people around you to take your message one step further with the time they get individually with those sides of the football. Who is that guy? The only guy is Josh is right now looks like Josh McDaniels. And again, you allowed him to leave your leave the building for you to go take time. And I said it yesterday and I saw the tweet from me in Rappaport. And you know, you liked it. A lot of other people liked it. And I know you said that this, you know, this whole episode is gonna blow up because of our conversations. Ian Rappaport was basically saying that, yeah, McDaniels left and they're going to take their time. They're going to sit on it. And people were saying and people were complaining about those freaking out, saying, well, they're sticking to their process and they're entitled to take their time and and not rush things. Why do you guys want to rush these things? Not saying rush it. It's been two weeks now. You've been looking at this for two weeks. And, yeah, you just interviewed your last candidate yesterday. But if you know, you know. One game in the playoffs shouldn't change your mentality or adjust your mentality to anybody. After talking to these guys and really diving in, you should know. And if you had a top target and you liked them and they didn't do anything to sway that decision, then you take that person. That's that's my issue, is that if you have a top target... You get them right now. If you spend seven to eight hours with a person, which is double what everyone else was, seems to me like that that is your target. That's why I was so furious that they let Josh McDaniels go. Now, if you're going to tell me that that wasn't your guy, you better damn well explain to me why he wasn't and you spent so much time with him. For me personally, my top three is as they are. Josh McDaniels, Eric Bieniemy and Robert Salah. The only reason why I have Bieniemy ahead of Salah is because he, because he goes through the Andy Reid coaching tree, and that has turned out pretty pretty well so far. Better than the Belichick coaching it, tree. It, it is, but I mean Belichick's coaching tree is starting is starting to turn. Is starting it's to starting take a to turn. turn. Yes, Brian Flores looks really good. Yep. I like Matt Patricia in in uh, Detroit. He just was dealed devastating injuries all year this yes. year. They looked really good to start off the year. I think they started off like 3-1 and one or 3-0-1. Oh mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they ended up having that tie. And then Matt Stafford just got hurt. You can't do anything about that. Right. It's unfortunate. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have you know, going forward. But that being said, the only reason I have the enemy ahead of Salah, and I like Salah just because, and I've been saying it for, for a couple months now, that 49ers you know, defensive coordinator is fiery. He gets his players jacked up. He's just bumping guys 
Like, to me, that looks like a coach to me. That looks like a guy I want to rally around. But I've seen that before here in Cleveland, yes. and I'm terrified of what that could of, of what could be, transpire. But fu- but it's easier to be a head coach from the defensive side and bring in an, a great offensive coordinator, which, mind you, you're not going to bring in a great offensive coordinator if they're all freaking taken because you've waited so long. That's what's killing me is because if you want Robert Salah, then go tell him, hey, you're the head coach. Tell me who you want to bring along as your offensive coordinator. Instead, they're going to wait and wait and wait and wait until it's too late. And then it's the senior bowl. And then you're just bringing along guys just to bring bring them along. You have no game plan. You have nothing going on into the combine. You're setting yourself up for failure. Now, once again, Josh McDaniels is ready for the picking right now. If you get Josh McDaniels in here today, he's going to have his offensive coordinator staff set up. He's going to figure out who he wants on the defensive side. He'll be ready for the senior bowl. He'll be ready for the combine. He'll be ready to, to for the draft. That's something that we need right now. We need stability and we have zero stability through the owner down right now. And it's what is killing me as a Browns fan. I hate the fact that all those people that, that, you know, all of your buddies on, on Snapchat and stuff that change from Browns to, to bills. But honestly, I don't blame them because at this moment in time, if you're 24 to, you know, 29 years old or younger, if you want to switch to a different team to start rooting from for the rest of your life, go right ahead. At this point in time, the Browns look like the worst ran business, not sports franchise, but business in all of sports. It is the worst thing, and it starts from the top down. Yeah, it starts from the top down. And and again, I don't have a problem with people switching teams. I think it was the team that I saw, and you go from wearing Browns gear to now you spend $110, $150 on a Bills jersey. Like, not just like a sweatshirt or a t-shirt. Like, they're wearing jerseys and hats, and you're spending that much money on gear for another team, especially the Bills. I, whatever. That That's a whole separate conversation. The Browns are the worst-run business out there. And right now, we're in the midst of a city that is lacking ownership. Lacking leadership. leadership. You have Jimmy Haslam as the worst owner. And I'd put Paul Dolan as number two only because at least he put he has a front office around him that no matter if they move on, they hire within and they've trained the people behind them. They know how to draft. They know how to look for talent. They yeah. know how to build a roster within the confines of what baseball has set up and hurt mid-market type teams. But... Still can't stand Paul Dolan. And I put Dan Gilbert third, but still not a great owner. You have prayers for him for all the health things he's going through. And he also brought the city, helped bring the city a championship. You have to give, there has to be credit dealt for that. LeBron is the main reason. LeBron will always be the main reason. There are other people that get credit, and the owners should get credit for being able to settle differences or have enough respect and be able to have a guy like LeBron come back to your city. Jimmy Haslam is the worst owner, cannot put the proper people around him, and we're still going to continue this cycle of too many people thinking they're smarter than everybody else instead of doing things the way you're supposed to be done. I don't care if you do it the same way as other NFL teams. Guess what? If you do it the same way, they're being successful. All you have to do is execute better. So anything that gets said from now until 
the coach gets hired or even after, I'm not going to say that the coach won or lost the press conference. I don't care what anybody says, whether the owner says, whoever the GM becomes, the coach, the players. At this point, if you remember the Santa Claus trilogy and in Santa Claus 2, and I know <laughs> I'm telling I'm Okay, go on. I know I that, didn't see this coming. I know, but the whole common phrase that came out of that Santa Claus 2 of, you know, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Yeah. I have to see yeah, this team to a believe. Great line. That's a great line. I have to see this team actually succeed to believe it's going to instead of listening and just having blind faith. Can't have that anymore. I'm not going to be, right now I can say for a fact, I'm not going to be a fan of any other, any other teams in any other sport. But I'm on the verge of just ending this whole relationship with the Browns. Right. Because we deserve better. We are an hour north of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and where the game of football was born. This town, this state, this city, the people, we are a football community. And we don't have football to root for here. And the main reason for that is Jimmy Haslam. If he doesn't fix this and get this right, there better be somehow, some way that this city rallies together to overcome and get rid of terrible leadership. I, I 100% agree with you. I love the fact that you know we're we're going after Jimmy. Everyone goes after Jimmy. It is what it is. But it's, but, it's, but it's deserved. But it's, at this point. It's, it's very well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been a terrible owner. It's not year one or year two it, of this it, anymore. It isn't. We're going on year seven, eight. I mean, like we are we are neck deep in yes. in, in all of this. That all being said, let's wrap it up right here. Who do you think will be the head coach the next time that we do this podcast? Hopefully next Saturday. Uh, here for us. Who is going to be the head coach? Are we going to have a head coach? Are they going to leak? Are they going to let this go into uh, the championship weekend next week? At this point, I could see them doing that. I could see them doing every single every single pathway. You see this going wrong. I see that happening. If they, if they choose a coach, who is it? Based on the mood that's going around right now. Yep. Stefanski, and I'm not happy about it. Okay. I'm not happy at all. You're trying to go unproven coordinator guy again, and you've we've seen that road before. You, all you have to do is, in the back of your mind, hope that there is some sort of leadership quality that he has that you just can't see right now because we've been scarned by that before. I have a gut feel. I have I have two feelings. I think Josh McDaniels is out. I think that if, even if he got offered the job, he'd probably tell him to kick rocks, which I kind of like because mm-hmm. if you got offered a job and and you know like weeks later after you just went through hell to you know yeah. for for that interview, no, screw that. If if I'm Josh McDaniels, I don't think that he's going to get offered. I think it's going to be one of the coordinators that are, are going to blow up this weekend. I guarantee you, they go with the hottest coordinator. And, and, like, that bothers me because, like, one game shouldn't decide no. if, if you get one of the 32 head coaching positions. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be uh, picked like that. But I think that it's going to be whoever is the top coordinator going uh, exiting this weekend. I think if uh, Salah just shuts down the Vikings offense— I mean, t- I mean, total shutdown mm. just kills them. Stefanski's out. Salah would be the top. Or if Biennemi blows up the Texans, which is very possible. Mm-hmm. If if Mahomes goes for 50, I think Biennemi would be the head coach. 
And 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 the fact is, the enemy doesn't even call the plays. Like that's what bothers me. Yes. Is that he doesn't call the plays. Freddie didn't call the plays until the final eight games. So you're telling me that we got to go through another coaching like that? No, 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 no. Give me Josh McDaniels. Please tell me I'm wrong, Cleveland, because I I can't handle I can't handle another head coaching collapse. I can't handle. I mean, we're going to watch all the games. I can't handle more debacle and just doing this every single year or every other single year. Somehow, some way, get it right, Jimmy, or we will riot. We will get you to sell this football team. Somehow, some way, I have faith in my city enough to make sure that this does not continue as the decades and years go by. That is going to wrap it up for Season 3 Episode one of the Voice of Land po- podcast. We are glad to be back. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep building in this new year, in this new decade. Remember, we are gonna bring the voice of reason and we are gonna call things out. We're gonna call BS when we see BS, and we're gonna make sure we have those conversations with you guys. Reach back out to us, have those conversations with us on Twitter at VTL underscore POD at CLE underscore Paulus at Kevin and seven on Twitter. We will reach back. We will have these conversations with you looking forward to a great season three for voice and land podcast. A lot of big things to come things. We don't even know about we're working on. We're working through you guys will be the first to know, but for Nick Paulus, I'm Kevin Earl telling all of you Cleveland fans, all of you sports fans out there, don't let anyone ever tell you it's just a game. And to everyone that listens to us, as always, we love you all 3,000. We will see you for episode two next week.